Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. That's right, everybody. We are back with a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny the Gentile Profita. I am by myself once again. No Johnny the Jew today. And I just had to get on the mic to do a quick episode here because Tucker Carlson, who I think is one of the better, if not the best, talking head on cable news these days, he's he's very good on a lot of issues, foreign policy, taking on the social justice warriors and the insanity of the, the far left, and but at the same time being able to hold the, the neocons' feet to the fire. He's he's had some really really great interviews with um like Lindsey Graham and guys like that or he gets them to admit just unbelievable thirst for interventionism for military interventionism but I think this was Wednesday night he did a monologue that was so far off base I have no idea what he was thinking and he was so he started off he's slamming Republicans for for being too committed to libertarian ideology and Austrian economics and not learning the lessons of this um, Trump phenomena of the last election, that the, the vast majority of American voters want this sort of economic nationalism. And he starts praising these ideas from Elizabeth Warren. I'm going to play the clip for you and just break it down. I just, I am shocked that he is this far off base on this he's been you know pretty iffy on a lot of economic issues lately but to just misread this situation this poorly i thought i'd had i had to address it because this is something that you would you would expect to see on maybe msnbc or something coming from the other side but libertarians get this a lot where it's a very bizarre situation where on the one hand our ideas are so fringe and crazy and unrealistic, and nobody would ever take us seriously, let alone implement any of our fringe, crazy ideas. But at the same time, we're somehow responsible for all these things going wrong. You know, every time that there's a problem, it's due to this libertarian ideology that everybody adheres to. We get blamed for that. So which is it, you know? Are our ideas so fringe and crazy and rigid that nobody would ever implement them? And do we get like 3% of the vote every year? Or are we this massive political powerhouse that that has control over, over the entire government? So without further ado, here is Tucker Carlson's view on what's wrong with the Republican Party. But first tonight, let's begin with a thought experiment. 
What if the Republican leadership here in Washington had bothered to learn the lessons of the 2016 election? What if they'd cared enough to do that? What if they had understood and embraced the economic nationalism that was at the heart of Donald Trump's presidential campaign? What would the world look like now, two and a half years later? Well, for starters, Republicans in Congress would regularly be saying things like this, quote, I'm deeply grateful for the opportunities America has given me, but the giant American corporations who control our economy don't seem to feel the same way. They certainly don't act like it. Sure, these companies wave the flag, but they have no loyalty or allegiance to America. Levi's is an iconic American brand, but the company operates only 2% of its factories here. Dixon Ticonderoga, maker of the famous number two pencil, has moved almost all of its pencil production to Mexico and China. And General Electric recently shut down an industrial engine factory in Wisconsin and shipped the jobs to Canada. The list goes on and on. These, quote, American companies show only one real loyalty to the short-term interests of their shareholders, a third of whom are foreign investors. If they can close up an American factory and ship jobs overseas to save a nickel, that's exactly what they will do, abandoning loyal American workers and hollowing out American cities along the way. Okay, let's pause it right there. So, yeah, I don't think anybody can argue with the with the fact that American companies move their operations overseas. That that is pretty undeniable. Now, but the idea that the reason they are moving their operations overseas is because the United States government has this strict, well I guess he hasn't made this point yet, but he will. <laughs> has this strict adherence to Austrian economics is absolutely ridiculous. Why are companies moving their operations overseas? What is it that forces them to do that? Because if it were up to them, I'm sure they would much rather operate on their home turf and not have to go through the go through all of the legwork of shipping your entire operations to a foreign country. I'm sure that the, the logistics involved in that is no picnic. So why is it? that companies shift their operations overseas. What has the United States done to make it so uninhabitable for companies to operate within our shores? For, for one thing, the government has a ton of onerous regulations and taxes on businesses that force the, the cost of doing business much higher, making us far less competitive with other countries. We also have um, a lot of worker protections in place, minimum wage laws, unemployment insurance, Social Security, Medicare, stuff like that. That the, the companies actually have to pay a portion of that too, which adds to the cost of doing business. So yes, companies are moving their operations overseas, but it's a direct result from the federal government getting much larger and more intrusive and imposing a lot of costs, imposing a lot of uh, rules, regulations, laws that these companies need to follow, the compliance costs are astronomical. These are not libertarian principles. He hasn't made this, he hasn't actually gotten to this argument because I cut the clip in half, but um, he, he will say that the problem with the Republican Party is their strict adherence to all this libertarian ideology, and that's just absolutely ridiculous. Now, the other thing about this that bothers me is, yes, the companies, the, their responsibility is to the shareholders. It isn't to the country. It isn't to America. It isn't to the workers. It's to the shareholders. 
They have a loyalty to the shareholders because they're the ones that have invested money in the company. And their responsibility is to earn as much profit for the shareholders. And in order to do that, they need to do a couple things. They need to cut costs. Yes, absolutely. But they also need to provide a product that people want that serves a need that meets the wants and, and desires of, of people. And so it's not like the American people are not reaping the benefits of Levi's or iPhones or American cars. They're, they're getting those cars cheaper because these companies moved overseas. If they had to keep their operations here, those, those products would be far more expensive and less Americans would be able to, would be able to afford them. So, it, yes, we, we do lose those jobs, but we get to enjoy cheaper goods. And, and the idea that we're going to implement all this protectionism to save an industry where we clearly no longer have a competitive advantage for a variety of reasons, pretty much all related to government regulations, is, is terrible economics. Net-net, we are worse off. If another country can produce the same good while consuming fewer resources, be it land, labor, or you know, steel, whatever it is, or money, even if they can just do it with less money, we are better off letting that country undertake making those goods. We free up the labor on our end that was doing that, and we can do something that we have a competitive advantage in, that we can do better, cheaper, faster, more efficiently, whatever it is, than that country, and then we can trade with each other, and we're all better off. We all end up with more goods and services than we would left to our own devices. So, and we've, and John and I have talked about this on the show with, with workers being displaced and, and having, to, having to find another job in a new industry. That's, that's capitalism. That is the creative destruction that will take place. But it's the only way that you can advance society economically. And I'm sorry, but this idea that companies owe some allegiance to their workers, I don't know. I mean, why, why should companies have a loyalty to their workers? I mean, the workers don't have any loyalty to the company. Workers pick up and, and leave at the drop of a dime anytime they get a better offer, right? I don't think a, a worker that, that leaves a company for another job at a company that pays them more money, no one's looking at that worker and being like, oh, well, where's your loyalty to the company? How could you not show your undying loyalty to this company? After all, I mean, that company gave you a job when nobody else would. And they paid you all this money. They always paid you on time. They gave you vacation time. They gave you health care. They didn't have to do all that. Where's your loyalty? You can't just pick up and leave. You need to show allegiance to the company that gave you a job. No, right? That's ridiculous. You should be free to do whatever you want. And so should they. Just because you start a company doesn't mean you should lose all your rights and liberties as a citizen. All right? So just because you're a company doesn't mean you lose the right to make your own decisions. <laughs> you're free to leave, as they say. I mean, it is kind of funny because every statist I've ever met that hates it when companies move overseas and that proclaims that it's such bullshit and we need to protect American jobs and we need to bring manufacturing back to the U.S., every one of those statists at the same time will tell you that if you don't like it, if you don't like this system, if you don't consent to the government, you're free to leave. 
I did a whole episode on on the the social contract and the price we pay for a, a civilized society and taxation and all that stuff. And one of the most common arguments you'll hear is, if you don't like it, you're free to leave. Well, these companies don't like it here, so they're listening to you. They're leaving. You should support their right to leave, shouldn't you? I guess you can still criticize them for leaving, but you can't claim that they're not justified in leaving if the, if they don't like the system or that they're not abiding by some moral code that, that you subscribe to. This is your moral code. You you obviously, as a statist, think that you're, you have the right to leave, and you should leave if, you're, if you don't like the system that you're, you're being forced to operate in. So you don't get to have it both ways. You don't get to have your cake and eat it too. If you as a worker were being abused by a company, I would, I would expect you to leave, and I would support your right to leave. Wouldn't say you have to stay there and be expropriated and and o- be overworked and underpaid. You have to abide by a bunch of of um, strict company policies you don't agree with that you find reprehensible. Of course not. So why should we expect companies to? Why should they stay here just to be abused? Just to be abused by the federal government, by the state and local government at every step of the way, when all they're trying to do, all they're trying to do as a company is solve somebody's problems, solve some need in society. That's all they're doing. They saw a need or a desire in the market that wasn't being fulfilled. They stepped in to fill it, and now all they do is take abuse. So why shouldn't they leave? I mean, it's never enough for these people, for all their critics anyways. No matter how much value they provide to society, no matter how much better off you are because that company exists, there's always going to be the Bernie Sanders of the world, the Alexandria Casio cortez that, that think you should pay your workers more, that you're not paying them enough, or you should do this, you should pay more in taxes, you should do that, you're greedy, yada, yada, yada. I'd tell them to go fuck off too and go to another country where I'm going to be appreciated for adding value to people's lives, to making people's lives easier, making people's lives better. And not only that, If I can save money on the cost of providing whatever good or service I'm doing, I can make the lives of more people better, the poorest among us. I can bring my production costs down so that I can bring whatever good or service I am providing that is a benefit to society to a much wider array of people. That's how you actually bring down income inequality. The wages don't have to go up if the price of goods is going down. Your paycheck will go farther. You know, it's, it's, it's so easy to criticize companies. You, know, you should pay your workers more. You should move your operations overseas. You should pay more, endure higher costs of operations, make less money, and keep your company here for the sake of your workers. The same workers who would leave you tomorrow, who would move states, move countries, if they found a, if they found a higher paying job. They would do the exact same thing to you. I'm sorry, but if you're so concerned about American workers, about American people having jobs, all right, well, why don't you start a company and pay your workers more then? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Bernie Sanders. Is there somebody stopping you from starting a manufacturing company here in the U.S.? Or Tucker Carlson? You make tens of millions of dollars a year, right? Take some of that money, invest it in plant and equipment, and start a manufacturing company here. How about that? How about you put your money where your mouth is? If you're so patriotic, you're, you're, you're such a patriot, right? And all these people that voted for Trump and all these people that, that promote economic nationalism, right? They'll support your company. They'll buy American. So just go ahead and do it. 
do it for your country, as they say. All right, let's keep going. Politicians love to say they care about American jobs, but for decades, those same politicians have cited free market principles and refused to intervene in markets on behalf of American workers. And of course, they ignore those same supposed principles and intervene regularly to protect the interests of multinational corporations and international capital. The result? Millions of good jobs lost overseas and a generation of stagnant wages, growing inequality and sluggish economic growth. If Washington wants to put a stop to this, it can. We want faster growth, stronger American industry, and more good American jobs, then our government should do what other leading nations do and act aggressively to achieve those goals instead of catering to the financial interests of companies with no particular allegiance to America. Okay. And now he's starting to go off the rails a little bit here. I mean, yes, the Republican politicians pay lip service to free market principles. That is it. They do not govern with free market principles. They do not have any principles. That's the problem. They are not a principled people. They talk a good game, but as soon as they get into power, all those so-called principles that they allegedly subscribe to go right out the window. I had the clip at the beginning of this show. That's George Bush. We have to abandon free market principles to save the free market system. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what kind of principle is that? That's not a belief in free market principles. They only talk about it when it's convenient. And then they get into power and they abandon all free market principles. And that's the problem. That's why our economy is so screwed up. And I don't know what he's talking about when he says politicians refuse to intervene on the behalf of American workers. I mean, maybe he's just talking about Republican politicians because there's all sorts of worker protections in place that Republicans support as well. Right off the top of my head, I know George Bush Sr. signed into law the American with uh, Americans with Disabilities Act. That's directly intervening on the behalf of American workers. Now, when he talks about banks and, and corporations and stuff like that, that that fund their campaigns. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. But the solution, it, but it's not just that they're supporting companies that don't have an allegiance to, an Amer to America. It's ridiculous. Whether or not they have allegiance is irrelevant. They shouldn't be favoring any companies, allegiance or not. Big corporations, small corporations, small business, whatever. That's the problem. The problem is that they're getting involved at all. And the solution to that is not to government harder. It's not to, what does he say? aggressively intervene on the behalf of, of companies that are going to keep their workers here. No, the solution is to take away the power of the government to do that at all. And then you let the companies compete on a level playing field in a free market. The solution to a, a, a corrupt power picking winners and losers is not to give that those corrupt politicians more power with which to wield. Okay, go ahead and roll it. The truth is that Washington policies, not unstoppable market forces, are a key driver of the problems American workers face. From our trade agreements to our tax code, we have encouraged companies to invest abroad, ship jobs overseas, and keep wages low, all in the interest of serving multinational companies and international capital with no particular loyalty to the United States. It's becoming easier and easier to shift capital and jobs from one country to another. That's why our government has to care more about defending and creating American jobs than ever before, not less. We can navigate the changes ahead if we embrace economic patriotism. 
and make American workers our highest priority, rather than continuing to cater to the interests of companies and people with no allegiance to America. End quote. <laughs> okay, there he is again with this allegiance crap. I, I went over that. I don't need to beat it to death. But he is right about the, the tax code and the trade agreements that are crushing our businesses. He should have just left it at that. And then I could have a, a clip of him that I, I totally 100% agree with, even if it was only 10 or 15 seconds. By the way, nice little Dan Carlin impression at the end there. End quote. <laughs> All right, what else you got? Now, let's say you regularly vote Republican. Ask yourself, what part of the statement you just heard did you disagree with? Was there a single word that seemed wrong to you? Probably not. Here's the depressing part. Nobody you voted for said that or would ever say it. Republicans in Congress can't promise to protect American industries. They wouldn't dare to do that. It might violate some principle of Austrian economics. It might make the Koch brothers mad. It might alienate the libertarian ideologues who, to this day, fund most Republican campaigns. So, no, a Republican did not say that, sadly. Okay. I have no idea what Tucker Carlson is talking about here. Are you high? Are you high, Tucker Carlson? Republicans in Congress can't object to economic nationalism because of their devout belief their allegiance to Austrian economics? Are you high? What, what the hell are you talking about? I've never even heard one congressman, with the exception of Ron Paul, maybe Thomas Massey. I don't even think he's, a, he's mentioned Austrian economics before. I, you could take a poll of congressmen right now, not just Republicans. Take all the congressmen. Ask them to explain Austrian economics to you. I guarantee you 95% of them haven't even heard of it, but they have this allegiance to it. They follow it, this dogma, so much so that they, they won't pay lip service to economic nationalism. Really? Republicans worried about violating Austrian economic principles? I mean, this is ridiculous. We've, we've had, we're, we're coming off of 10 years of 0% interest rates. We have a Federal Reserve. We've been pumping stimulus into the, into the economy since FDR. Actually, since Ho Herbert Hoover, okay? The Fed, we've had the Fed since 1913. They really started intervening in the 20s. And then we had the Great Depression. And Herbert Hoover started, started us on the path to this economic intervention stimulus to try to interrupt the business cycle. That's how long this has been going on. With disastrous results, by the way. They've been trying to stimulate their, you know, George W. Bush, Republican, comes into office, hit with the recession, the dot-com bubble bursts. What does he do? Slashes interest rates, blows up a housing bubble. George W. Bush started the bank bailouts. He's literally quoted at the beginning of this show. We have to abandon free market principles to save the free market system. What was he talking about there? He was talking about bailing out the banks, you know, the troubled asset relief program, all that stimulus. Remember getting the Bush uh, stimulus checks in the mail? That's not Austrian economics. Or what about all the government spending? He dub Bush single-handedly doubled the national debt from five to ten trillion just in his term alone. And even before him, Ronald Reagan, you know, the epitome of conservatism, the the, the holy grail of Republicans. What did he do? He blew up the federal budget, too. 
tax cuts and increased spending. Every time Republicans have control of the presidency and both houses, spending has gone up. The idea that you can have a, a that that the Republicans subscribe to Austrian to the principles of Austrian economics when all of them support a Federal Reserve system that can arbitrarily control interest rates and set inflation targets of two percent. Go back and listen to my episode that I just did about the economy and um, Donald Trump's bad trade deals, bad deals, bad economy, some, something like that. I forget what I called it. But I go over the importance of interest rates. Interest rates are like the corner, one of the cornerstones of Austrian economics and not fixing interest rates, not arbitrarily setting the price of money. It's what causes the Federal Reserve system that we have is what causes the boom-bust cycle. The Austrians are the one that figure that out. And how about the fact that any time that there's an economic downturn, they want to they wanna pump, pump stimulus into the economy. Remember after 9-11, George W. Bush said, the one thing you, sh- you should do as an American is go out and shop, go out and put money on your credit card. These are, these are principles of Austrian economics? Absolutely not. I, I will do some other podcasts on Austrian economics for those of you that aren't familiar. Or maybe I shouldn't do another podcast on the principles of Austrian economics. Obviously, everyone's had an ass full of it from all the Republicans in Congress, right? It's all they do is spout off about Austrian economics and the principles of, Aust- of the Austrian school. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. But that is the opposite of Austrian economics. That is Keynesian nonsense to the nth degree. And Republicans love that Keynesian shit just as much as the Democrats. Why? Because it allows them to promise a bunch of free lunches to the American people. That's why. It won't promise things to the American workers. Bullshit. They've promised everybody in this country a free ride for their entire fucking life. Right up through Social Security. One Ponzi scheme after another. Austrian economics. Give me a fucking break. And the idea that libertarians are the ones funding the Republican Party. Okay, yeah, the Koch brothers are like the closest thing to a libertarian. They're the only ones. It's not like there's all these libertarian billionaires that are supporting George Bush, Donald Trump. They get all their money from the big banks who benefit, directly benefit. The big banks and Wall Street who benefit from this federal, this bullshit Federal Reserve system that they've cooked up. It is literally the antithesis of Austrian economics, the antithesis of libertarianism. Libertarians don't get support from the banks. If the system we had in place right now was so libertarian, if the system we had right now with all these big banks and the Federal Reserve system was so libertarian, wouldn't you think that the libertarian candidates would get some support? Wouldn't you think that all these banks would be donating to the Ron Pauls of the world? All these guys on Wall Street would be donating to Ron Paul's campaign? This is nonsense. All these banks, all these Wall Street guys, all these hedge fund guys, all these fat cats on Wall Street, they're usually the least libertarian people because they're benefiting from this this rigged system that they've set up. And where are they pouring their money into? Where are they pouring their money? Who are they giving $500,000 for a speech to? Ron Paul? Bob Murphy? Tom Woods? Of course not. It's Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama. Well, it used to be Hillary Clinton. Now she's worthless. Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama. I don't know what the hell Tucker is talking about here. This is absolutely ridiculous. I thought he was smarter than this. He's got to be high. Okay, let's keep going. Instead, the words you just heard are from, and brace yourself here, 
Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts. It's true. Pause it. He is now about to advocate for the policy for the economic policies of Elizabeth fucking Warren, the fake Indian. Okay, yes, he's definitely high. The amount of peyote you'd have to consume before Elizabeth Warren starts making economic sense is off the charts. But I suppose we'll keep an open mind. Yesterday, Warren released what she called her plan for economic patriotism. Amazingly, that's pretty much what it is, economic patriotism. There's not a word about identity politics in the document. There are no hysterics about gun control or climate change. There's no lecture about the plight of transgender illegal immigrants. It's just pure old-fashioned economics, how to preserve good-paying American jobs. Even more remarkable, many of Warren's policy prescriptions make obvious sense. She says the U.S. government should buy American products when it can, and of course it should. She says we need more workplace apprenticeship programs because four-year college degrees aren't right for everyone. Well, that's true. She says that taxpayers ought to benefit from the research and development that they pay for. And yet, she writes, quote, we often see American companies take that research and use it to manufacture products overseas, like Apple did with the iPhone. The companies get rich, and American taxpayers have subsidized the creation of low-wage foreign jobs, end quote, and so on. She sounds like Donald Trump at his best. Okay, first of all, government jobs programs and job training programs, they're a disaster. They always have been. They don't know how to train anybody. They don't know, um, I forget the exact number, but the amount of people that actually get placed in the jobs that they're trained from, is it's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. You guys can look into it on your own if you want. Tom Woods has done some good work on that. But good old-fashioned economics does not involve government intervention. That's the bottom line. And I, yeah, I suppose to the extent that the government steals money from the U.S. taxpayers, they should give it back to them by buying their goods and services. Although it'd probably be better if they bought the cheaper goods and services from other countries, <laughs> save the taxpayers some money. So I don't know. Might be a little give and a take there. I, I do agree that a four-year college, and I know I've gone off on college degrees before, they're, they're basically worthless now in large part thanks to government involvement. So, yeah, I, I don't think they're for everybody, but I don't think we need a government program. I, the government doesn't need to be involved in apprenticeships. They just need to let those happen. They just need to get out of the way. And, my God, the iPhone thing drives me crazy when people harp on this stuff. Yes, the, the iPhone is made overseas. That makes it more affordable for, for the American people. It's already costing thousands of dollars for those phones, right? I don't personally own one. But how much better is everyone's life because they have an iPhone that they can afford to buy? You, you're literally carrying around a supercomputer in your pocket. If they had to make those phones in America pay American Union labor wages and and all of the costs associated with hiring American workers and producing things in America and the American corporate tax system, the, the price of those phones would be like five to $10,000 if they can manage to be profitable at all. You know, who knows? Maybe they, need a, maybe they need a bailout like GM did. Then the taxpayers are really getting screwed. You keep the jobs here and then the, the company goes under, but they're so vital to the American economy that we got to bail them out right seen that movie before so which is it you want to preserve some jobs at apple 
You want to preserve some monotonous assembly line jobs at Apple? Or do you want to have millions of Americans be able to afford a a supercomputer that they can carry around in their pocket? Because you can't do both. And U.S. taxpayers shouldn't be funding research and development at all. It's not about getting some getting a some return on our investment, quote unquote investment. They love to use these words. It's not an investment when you have money stolen from you and spent by somebody else. That's not an investment. Or if she's referring to subsidizing if she's referring to corporate welfare and taxpayers subsidizing big companies, yeah, we shouldn't be doing that either. Nobody should be getting a taxpayer subsidy. Okay. It's not about getting a return on the investment from a taxpayer subsidy. Eliminate the subsidy. Okay, let's move on. So who is this Elizabeth Warren, you ask? Well, not the race-hustling, gun-grabbing abortion extremist you thought you knew. Well, unfortunately, Elizabeth Warren is still all of those things, too. And that's exactly the problem, not just with Elizabeth Warren, but with American politics. In Washington, almost nobody speaks for the majority of voters. You're either a libertarian zealot controlled by the banks, yammering on about entrepreneurship and how we need to cut entitlements. That's one side of the aisle. Or worse, you're some decadent trust fund socialist who wants to ban passenger cars and give Medicaid to illegal aliens. That's the other side. What there isn't is a caucus that represents where most Americans actually are. Nationalist on economics, fairly traditional on the social issues. Imagine a politician who wanted to make your health care cheaper, but wasn't ghoulishly excited about partial birth abortion. Imagine someone who genuinely respected the nuclear family and sympathized with the culture of rural America, but at the same time was willing to take your side against rapacious credit card companies bleeding you dry at 35% interest. Would you vote for someone like that? My gosh, of course you would. Who wouldn't? That candidate would be elected in a landslide every single time. And yet that candidate is the opposite of pretty much everyone currently serving in our Congress. Our leadership class remains resolutely libertarian, committed to the rhetoric of markets when it serves them, utterly libertine on questions of culture. Republicans will lecture you about how payday loan scams are a critical part of our market economy. Then they'll work to make it easier for your kids to smoke weed because, hey, freedom, Democrats will nod in total agreement. They're on the same page. Okay. So, according to Tucker Carlson, stone-cold, sober Tucker Carlson, allegedly, you have two choices in Washington. Libertarian zealots that are beholden to the banks or far-left social justice warrior Marxists. Those are your two choices. That's his read on this? Really? libertarian zealots in Washington. That's, that's his analysis of the Republican Party. The Republican Party that's done nothing but grow government, grow regulations. Let's all sit back and think about all the libertarian zealots that are running amok through Washington, you know, rolling back government at every step of the way. Government's been doing nothing but shrinking over the years, right? We're not adding hundreds of thousands of pages of of rules and regulations to the federal register every year. The tax code doesn't keep growing and growing and growing. Taxes don't keep going up. Spending doesn't keep going up. No, no, we've got libertarian zealots all throughout the Republican Party. You know, George W. Bush, I talked about all the spending he did and the manipulating of interest rates that happened under his watch. 
You also had Medicare Part D, No Child Left Behind, the Patriot Act. The Patriot Act, for fuck's sake. Libertarian zealots. Libertarian zealots signing the Patriot Act. And anytime it comes up to a vote, both parties just agree to, re- to re-sign it, to extend it. The, the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, that keeps getting signed too. It gives the president the right to detain American citizens indefinitely without trial. He can drone bomb citizens without any charges. The, these are the libertarian zealots in Washington. The All the anti-money uh, laundering aspects of the Patriot Act, where they have banks basically spying, and banks and financial institutions spying on their customers. These, these are the libertarian zealots in Washington. And I guess also included with those libertarian zealots are all these um, are all these Republicans that are not proponents of the war on drugs, right? I mean, we have the largest prison population on the face of the earth. We actually have a war on drugs being fought right now. The idea that the Republican Party is full of all these Republicans that don't care, they just want to legalize drugs and let you get high. I mean, yeah, a couple of states have have um, violated federal law, have nullified federal law to make marijuana legal. And Republicans begrudgingly went along with it. And even Obama, when, it, when um, Colorado first started doing it, or was it California, he was threatening to go in there with the feds and arrest the, um, the store owners that were selling weed, that were selling medical marijuana. I think he did a few times. And it was so unpopular that he had to back off the policy. The idea that these Republicans don't want to um, arrest people for drug crimes when that's all they've been doing my entire life. I don't know what this guy is thinking. And didn't we just have Jeff Sessions as attorney general? What the hell is he talking about? Whatever he's smoking, I want some. Okay, continue. Just last week, the Trump administration announced an innovative new way to protect American workers from the ever-cascading tidal wave of cheap third-world labor flooding this country. Until the Mexican government stops pushing illegal aliens north over our border, we will impose tariffs on all Mexican goods that we import. Now, that's the kind of thing you might propose to protect your country if you cared about your people. The Democrats, of course, opposed it. They don't even pretend to care about the American people anymore. Here's what Republicans said. Look, I think it's safe to say you've talked to all of our members. We're not fans of tariffs. We're still hoping that this can be avoided. We're not fans of tariffs. Imagine a more supercilious, more out of touch, more infuriating response. Well, you can't because there isn't one. In other words, says Mitch McConnell, the idea may work in practice, but we're against it because it doesn't work in theory. That's the Republican Party 2019. No wonder they keep losing. They deserve it. Imagine a more infuriating, out of touch response. Hmm. Let me sit back and try to imagine that for a second. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I got one. I think I have a more out-of-touch response. I think you conflating the current Republican Congress with libertarian zealots hell-bent on adhering to, Austrian, to the Austrian principles of economics is more outrageous. Absolutely, I do. It is perhaps the most outrageous claim I have ever heard I can hardly believe that it came out, it came from your show. It is the pinnacle of absurdness. 
And this is coming from a guy who did an entire episode on Maxine Waters. So let that sink in. Yeah. And I'm not going to go into the whole tariff thing. I've done at least uh, two other episodes on that. So I encourage you to go check out the um, check out our previous episodes because I do not like to discuss topics in a vacuum. Go back and listen to the episode that we did. Actually, the Jew and the Gentile did one on Trump tariffs. And then I did another episode where I talked about tariffs and the economy and trade deals and stuff like that. So um, go back and listen to that stuff. And I think I'm going to wrap there. (laughs) That's about all of this nonsense that I can take. Guys, if you like the show today, I need you to do a couple things for me. First of all, make sure you continue to listen, download and subscribe, share the show, give us a five-star rating on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to, and please check out our website, peddlingfictionpodcast.com. From there, you can support the show through your donations. And don't forget to join our private Facebook group where we can carry on these conversations and you guys can talk amongst yourselves, share some dank memes, all that good stuff. And remember to lay off the drugs or you'll start sounding like Tucker Carlson. And if you can do all that, I will return to smack down whatever retarded ideas are coming out of the talking heads on TV. And until then, just remember to keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace. Peace.